They're a hundred years behind us in some ways, but they're catching up in leaps and bounds. Everybody has cell phones. They use Wi-Fi. They want to use and learn to use computers. They need an education. And if we don't do something about it, these thousands of kids, we might as well just figure that we're throwing them in the garbage dump and forgetting about them. Welcome to this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint as we visit with Bob Reese. Bob is retired from working at Federal Express. God planted in his heart a, a passion and a desire for Africa, and specifically in Uganda. We have had Bob on the program in the past from time to time. He takes these trips, sometimes by himself, sometimes with his wife, and he travels to Uganda. And some incredible work that started, and we want to First of all, Bob, welcome you back. You've been back here in the U.S. for how long now? I've been back for about two months, and uh, I'm happy to be here with you, Byron. Yeah, it's always good to see you. One of the best gifts I have here came from you. It's actually hanging on my wall in front of us as we look toward that wall there. It's a canvas painting of an artist friend of yours who's from Uganda, connected with the ministry you do called God's Garden. In that, he did this beautiful picture there, and I loved it so much. I took it to Hobby Lobby, had it framed, and I get more compliments, and people look at that every time they come in my office. I have several paintings, as you can see, but the one that gets the most attention, Bob, is the one you gave me. I'm glad to hear that. (laughs) I am, too. I really like it a lot. We probably have somebody listening to the show right now that doesn't know much about Bob Reese. So why don't we kind of back up and tell some of your backstory, where you grew up, something about your family. Well, um, I grew up in Memphis. I'm mistaken. I'm lying to you. <laughs> I've been here so long that I feel like I grew up You're here. You're a Memphian. Right? That's right. But I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, and I joined the Marine Corps, and I spent 20 years in the Marine Corps. And when I uh, retired, I settled here in Millington, Tennessee. So you actually worked on the base out in Millington. That's correct. When I retired, God started calling me to missions. Now, when you retired, Bob, did you start working for FedEx at that time from the military? I think it took about a year or maybe even as much as two years, but... Yes, then I... uh, Your wife said, hey, Bob, you need to get out of the house. This retirement life is not working for me. Maybe working for you, but I need uh you to find a job. Okay, I'll go (laughs) along with that. Is that Uh, what happened or no? No, I I wasn't ready to retire. And, uh, you know, that's been 25 years. I'm still not ready to retire. The ministry is a full-time job. I can't imagine not being involved in the work we're doing in Africa, in Uganda. If you don't mind me saying, in addition to you being retired, and I, I don't know how old you are, I don't know if we've ever even mentioned your age, we're not, we're not here to talk about your age, but you've had some health issues, too, that for some people would kind of slow them down and cause them maybe never to think about getting on an airplane and traveling to a country like Africa. Well, you know, this is a Christian show, and so it won't offend anybody for me to say I'm saved. I know where I'm going to spend eternity. And if that happens while I'm on an airplane or in Africa or any place else, praise God. You know, I just recently had a lady that I met back when I was in Bible college, Marilyn Knapp. 
88 years old. She's still going strong. She travels to hard places in the Brazilian jungle. She goes to refugee camps in the Middle East and works with some really hard places where Christians are, and they're trying to establish church ministry. And she says, you're never too old to serve Jesus. Amen. Amen. So you're on board with that. Absolutely. (laughs) I talk to a lot of people, and you know, just because you're saved or just because you call yourself a Christian, there's a development that goes on with most people, and it just takes time for some people to grow into what God's got planned for them. Yeah. Um, So Africa is really outside of most people's mental preparedness. They haven't thought about it. If you talk to people, most people will still have an idea that the headhunters will get them or... If we update that a little bit to modern world, the terrorists will get them. To Africa is kind of that place when you're praying about being a missionary, you know. You're afraid that's where God's going to send you is to Africa, but it's not that bad of a place, is it? Uh, No, it's not that bad. Uh, You've met some incredible people in the journey. Absolutely. And I think you'll find that it's more not about the location as much as it's about the people. That's right. I can't imagine my life if I had never gone to Sudan, Uganda, Kenya, um, we're looking at Tanzania in this coming year, maybe the Congo. Um, God has blessed me so much more than I deserve, than I could have imagined. Incidentally, I said no at first when he called me. I just didn't think I was worthy or capable of doing anything. I said no for a couple of months, and then I finally threw my hands up in the air and said, okay, I'll go, but if I fail, it's not my fault. It's yours, Lord. We have been tremendously successful, and I've been tremendously blessed. It's almost scary every time we go back, which is at least once a year, We just spent four and a half months there. He has a bigger surprise for me than I had imagined. It seems like each time you come back, Bob, and we get together, you've got some new adventure or a new door has opened, a new opportunity for ministry. I remember your concept or the idea you had for God's garden before it even really existed. You told me about this idea you had. Something really that God planted in your heart. You, by faith, bought some property, not knowing specifically how it was all going to work out, who was going to kind of direct, connect it with you, but you felt like you should buy this piece of land, and you did. And today it has become a, a refuge and outpost for incredible work, training local people on sewing, providing food. It's a, a respite for missionaries and pastors to come and have a getaway. Let's just kind of talk about God's garden for a second. Yes. People, including my wife, sometimes thinks that I'm insane. I told my wife for probably 10 years I was never, ever, ever going to buy any land in Africa because I wasn't by nature a very good preacher, or at least I didn't think so. So I wanted to focus on preaching because 
One thing I could absolutely guarantee is that people needed to hear the Word of God. Yes. But I went to bed one night, never planning to buy land, and I woke up one morning with a burning desire to go buy some land. My wife just thought I'd gone insane. Uh, But we bought it, and 10 years down the road, it has been a tremendous blessing to uh, the people in the area, the town we're at. Uh, Actually, uh, thousands and thousands of people. I'm sure that that God was directing me. Stop there a second, Bob, because this is, I think, a great point to make. Here you are. You've retired. You're retirement age, and you would think the investment or money that you've got that you need to kind of work it into your budget to be able to take care of you and your wife, which is, you know, obviously an important thing. So to step out of that, or like you said, like your wife thought you were crazy, but you were doing something you really believed God wanted you to do. God was calling you to do this. You know, the Bible talks about without faith, it is impossible to please him. That is part of our worship. Faith is a part of our worship as we trust him, as we believe him for what he's called us to do. Now, not everybody's called to buy a piece of land in Africa. Somebody might be called to buy a piece of land in another country and start a ministry, you know, or maybe not. But the point is I'm making here is that faith walk, trusting God, what he's called you to do. I teach that... um One of the prayers that I pray every day is, God, let me grow just a little closer to you today. Now, if you ask me what a little closer was, I really couldn't give you a number. A little closer means that I'm closer today than I was yesterday. As you grow closer to the Lord... uh, You hear Him better, I believe, you know, whether... You hear him, uh, once again, the Bible says he speaks to us in a still, small voice. And I think that's the way he speaks to most people most of the time. But what happens is we live in a noisy world. There's all kinds of things going on around us that want to detract from what God is telling us. And so you can miss it. But if you grow close enough, it's like he's right next to you and he's whispering in your ear so that it doesn't matter how much noise there is, you can hear him. And I tell people a lot of times, I know that God has spoken to me about this or that. Many times it doesn't make any sense. Buying God's garden was one of those, but when I bought it, I actually had the money in the bank to pay for the land. Now, this last time we were in Kenya, for 10 years, a friend of mine has been telling me God wanted me to go to Nairobi, Kenya. And I was skeptical. I said, "Uh, John, why would he tell you that and not tell me that? Three or four years ago, A man came up to me. He said, I'm Pastor Fred, and I want you to come to my church, which is in Nairobi, Kenya, and speak to my people. That caught my attention, and I went. It took me three years. 
We had to raise the money and work out some details. Just like in the Bible where the angel told Philip to go down to the road that leads to Gaza, the angel didn't tell him why. God didn't tell me why he wanted me in Nairobi. But I went. We did some preaching. We did some crusades. Uh, I met a lot of people. We drove around the largest garbage dump in the world. I've had some people on the show in the past who have a ministry inside that dump. Yeah. And they're based here in Memphis, by the way. Mm -hmm. Maybe I need to connect you to. Yeah, that would be good. But the largest garbage dump in the world, and there's over a couple hundred thousand Kenyans that live in this dump. Yes. I mean, they they do life there. Raw sewage is running through this dump. Yes. Yes. And uh, when I went, I noticed there were an awful lot of children running around at a time when they should have been in school. And they said, well, the parents are too poor for these kids to go to school. There's no uh, government program or whatever. Some people might think, well, Africa, that's a third world country. They don't need education like American children do. That's completely wrong. They're a hundred years behind us in some ways, but they're catching up in leaps and bounds. Everybody has cell phones. They use Wi-Fi. They want to use and learn to use computers. They need an education. And if we don't do something about it, these thousands of kids... We might as well just figure that we're throwing them in the garbage dump and forgetting about them. These kids, Bob, for the most part, could be the pivotal point of changing their country. Absolutely. You know, starting with an education. Absolutely. And so immediately, this is something... Now, I'd never thought about this, but immediately I knew I had to be involved with educating them. I used to teach electronics in the Marine Corps, but that's that's a long ways from educating yeah. preschool through seventh graders. And then I realized that if we made this, we call it Sparks Christian Academy. Okay, I want you to spell that so people can hear what you're saying. Okay, Sparks is S-P-A-R-T-Z. The reason we put Christian Academy, uh, the people there in Nairobi said, that's going to cause some people not to want to be part of it if, if they're Muslims or if they're anything but Christians. And I said, we're going to preach the gospel. We're going to teach the Bible and I don't want problems because people have joined the school and they didn't know what they were getting into. So on the front end, you wanted these parents or students to know why they were coming to school. They were going to get a Christian education. That's right. Right now, we've got about 70 preschoolers. Once Did again, you say 70? 70. Wow. Now, the reason we started with preschool is is simple. We couldn't just start with all the grades, one, two, three, four, five go from nothing to an up-and-running school, we didn't have the finances to do that. So we started at preschool. They're on break right now. Next term, we're going to start 
kindergarten. Okay, now where did you even get teachers? Where did you get your curriculum? I mean, where do you meet? Well, that's an amazing story. Let's start with where we meet. We had picked out ten little buildings that were like in a little village. We were going to rent those a month at a time. And as we grew, we would rent more of them. The day before we did that, we uh, found a school that had closed down. Actually, it had been very successful, but they wanted to move it outside of the dump. They felt like that was not the environment they wanted these kids to be in, even though they lived in the environment They wanted them to feel like they were making an improvement by going to school. Not everybody could afford to move out of the dump or or travel out of the dump every day. We took it over. We're paying $400 a month to rent the building. It's got 16 large classrooms. It's got some bathroom facilities, some meeting facilities. It's got a playground that is about 10 feet wide and about 150 feet long, oh but that's more playground than the other place had. Yeah. We're running that. There are teachers available. We were going to pay them $100 a month, and the government did its thing and said, nope, if they're certified teachers, you have to pay them a minimum of $150 a month. That took care of that. We've got three teachers right now. We've got a cook and a security man. And then uh, these children are so poor that uh, they don't get breakfast before they come to school. They can't fix a lunch and bring a lunch. So the school, and this is actually our largest investment of money, we feed them two meals a day, uh, breakfast and lunch, and that cost us, we figure, a dollar per child per day. So if you take 70 times 1 times uh, 20 school days in the month, you come with something over $1,000, and that's our biggest expense right now. It covers the operation of a school for some 70 students. Yes. On, on a monthly basis. On a monthly basis. I'm thrilled because... When they showed this to me, I knew that God wanted me to be involved. And I committed $500 a month from my end. Knowing, knowing, I used to be a sane person, but uh, (laughs) I knew I didn't have $500 a month. And so to uh, commit that scared me to death. Now, we've been in this six months And the first two months were very, very hard. And now, the last four months, we've been able to make the the payments a little easier. But I uh, put on my Facebook page that I felt that the Christian community throughout the world could do this. Little by little, they're stepping up and doing it. You're seeing some of those costs covered then. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that is. Uh, now, let's also, as we, and we don't have a whole lot of time left on the program today, but I do want to mention, as you've talked about, the new Christian Academy, Sparts 
Christian Academy getting underway here and still praying for the support for that school as it continues on working in these lives of 70 uh, young children. There's also an outreach you have with 25 women making paper. Were you doing that last time? I don't think you were doing that last time you were here. No. You had had sewing classes, I know. We had sewing classes, and we've seen a lot of salvations through the sewing classes. Now, we've only been making paper a short time. I think we have one or two salvations there, but we have changed the lives of these women, 25 women, their families, which include their children. Some of them have husbands. It's absolutely amazing. These women felt like they had no value whatsoever. They all had three or four children. They all bathed their children. They fed their families. They walked sometimes a half a mile, many times a day, in order to get water so that they could survive. But they never completed school or anything. So when we started this, we had talked to a bunch of them, and they were really depressed. We went and uh, taught them to make paper out of banana leaves. Now, the process, they make 200 sheets of paper a day. I've set them up with all the tools they need, which isn't a whole lot, and then I buy the paper from them. 200 sheets of paper costs... 20,000 Uganda shillings, which is about $6. We work them in groups of five. Five women work for seven or eight hours a day. They make 200 sheets of banana paper. There's no cost for the banana leaves because my property has 150 banana trees on it. At the end of the day, We'll say an eight-hour day. And it's not real hard work, but if you do anything for eight hours a day... Sure. Work is work. Yeah. Yeah. They make about a dollar and a quarter a day each. With that, that would be equivalent to about 4,000 shillings each. And with 4,000 shillings, they could buy four sausages. They almost never eat meat, but if they wanted to eat meat, they could afford to buy four sausages and four, like, burrito shells, bread, for that 4,000 shillings. Or they could buy a pencil for their child that is in another free school that we support. So bottom line, Bob, you're giving them the resource to self-change their trajectory through making this paper Again, going back to the sewing classes, learning how to sew, which really can change their life, bringing in some income that they typically would not have access to. That's absolutely true. In addition to making the paper, you've got a driving school. There's feeding. There's watering. The missionary to Sudan and to refugee from Sudan, evangelism that you do, supplying Bibles, other tools. I mean, this is an ongoing work of kingdom work. Jesus Christ in the lives of not only now the Ugandan people, but you're reaching these Kenyan people living in this garbage dump. Yes. Wow. I never would have guessed. And it's all because you were obedient and walked by faith to trust Christ, what he's called you to do. Amen. As a result of that, people's lives are being touched for eternity. 
You know, when I look at this, uh, and I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. In fact, I'm 67 years old, and before Africa, now, I spent 20 years in the Marine Corps. That should account for something. I have two children, my wife. We've been married for 40 years, but I feel like I never did anything substantial for the kingdom before this. Wow. Well, you know, Moses went through that period of wilderness time. God was using that to train him. So maybe all these years that you were in the military and the oh. life you led with your family, I know you realized that, was all prep time. Yeah. You know? I realized that the Marine Corps made it possible for me to do a lot of things. I talk to people, invite them to go with us, and anybody that hears my voice, we can take you to Africa make it very productive, make it enjoyable. It's at least as safe as being here in the United States most of the time. Your airplane ticket, a little bit for food, and you can be a great aid to what we're doing. Well, as we close out today, let's give some information for listeners to be able to connect with you. You're on Facebook, Jesus Wept International Mission is the Facebook page. It's also the name of your ministry that oversees all the things we're talking about. So I think there's a website, too. There's photographs that people can go, maybe even video. People can see some of the things we're talking about. What's the web address? Right now we're between web pages. Uh, On Facebook, we have Jesus Wept International. We have God's Garden. We have Sparks. Christian Academy. Again, that's S-P-A-R-T-Z, Christian Academy. I do encourage our listeners to check out these uh, social media resources and soon the, the new website. Pray for Bob. Consider going on one of these trips. Consider how you might want to sponsor a child through the school at the, the garbage dump in Kenya. Contact Bob. Is there a phone number they could call, Bob? It's 901-508-2000. Easy number. Okay, that's 901-508-2000. That's correct. That is an easy number. We're registered with the government, nonprofit organization. We have a, a couple of needs. Our main need is people to go with us. And then our second need is, of course, salvation is free, but ministry is not. So uh, support, that's about it. As always, thank you for what you're doing and continue to do for Christ's kingdom in the nation of Africa at these various ministries. It's always a pleasure to have you stop by. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by on this program. I'm Byron Tyler. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.